0: We will I'm only stream in the AdLeaks Platinum group I had today. There was some issues with – I don't know why, but it seems like there was a lot of blurriness. So I'm only going to stream in the Platinum group, and then I'm going to post it to the Gold and the Facebook Ad Buyers group uh, after we're done. So I'll tag you in that, Dan, and we'll uh, – I'm sure there'll be questions asked. So I just don't want to put out shitty quality content. <clears throat> Let me see. Let me jump in the group and see. We'll see how many people we got in here. How you doing, buddy? Oh, this is Dan. <laughs> uh, Dan is out of Australia. Uh, we were just talking about, we were just, let's circle back. So I had brought up about a client, basically seen kind of a downfall. He's Australian based for the last three weeks. And let's start that over. Continue.
1: Can I tell the time jokes again? Or- yes.
0: Talk all that shit you were talking about, D. Go ahead and re all that stuff. Okay. <laughs>
1: No, I was saying I know, Dee, and it's, I watched the live call this morning and it's great to see because, you know, his agency I work closely with as well because we're only geographically only a few hours apart. So, you know, that, that's a bit of a rarity in this industry. You know, we're in the same time zone where, you know, we meet you know, a lot of the same people. It's a pretty small, almost uh, close-knit community here in Australia of internet marketers. It's not as large as, you know, Europe or the States, obviously, um but yeah, great guy. I met personally a couple of times and you know, can't recommend his him or his agency highly enough. Yeah. Um you know I think the question that before I got put online you're asking is have you you know have we noticed a bit of a downturn in um a bit of a downturn in the moment and And yeah, hundred percent. And it, to be expected as well so we have a bit of a change of in strategy and we have done for the last four weeks and we'll continue that through right up until we launch on uh the week of black friday on the 25th which is we're going more for gathering pre-qualified um leads or pre-qual- pre-qualified yeah. potential customers so not just for facebook ads though like it, it, we're really building that back end. we're funneling them into our email marketing this our sms remarketing a messenger um, you know, we want them everywhere. We want them on our display network, remarketing mm-hmm. audiences, um, everywhere that we can possibly get them, we want them. But we want them to be pre-qualified. We don't just want to be going to third-tier countries and just driving a heap of junk traffic because that'll just the picks. Right. And, and I was saying to you before is that, you know, we are consumers and we do tend to forget that, um, you know, in amongst all of the data and the analytics and the highs and lows that we have as marketing online is we tend to forget that there's... Sometimes we forget there's real people sitting on the other side of these ads, either on their phone or their tablets or their computers. And
0: I know as a consumer myself
1: right now, I and mean, some industries are different, you know, Black Friday doesn't have as big an impact. But, for, you know, for me, if I'm looking to buy something online, I'm not buying it now. I'm going to wait a couple of weeks when I know it's going to be on sale. And a lot of our customers are in the same boat. So, you know, put yourself in your customer's shoes. If you, if you don't, if you're not in that industry, then, you know, you that get are that you're interested in, if your brand something totally separate to what you are interested in day to day, then you need to really think of how that person's going to be thinking. Look at your customer avatar. Are they savvy or do they not care about Black Friday sales and things along those lines? So basically, yeah, no, no 100%. Better. For our brand gear bunch and for our clients, we have seen a dip in ROAS, um, but we've focused um, budgets and energies onto more, um, you know, Potential customer acquisition for now.
0: Mm-hmm. How come you have such? A, or you must be from Australia? D must not be natively from Australia because you have a you have an actually actually an Australian accent. Yeah, Why I don't I, know where D's from. D, where are you from? <laughs> You're. I, I mean, mean, you he, have a, you have like the. You remind me of the crocodile hunter. You know me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's a good dude. He was a good dude. I did know yeah. him personally. Um,
0: I love I love yeah. this show.
1: Oh mate, and and you know what you saw is what you got with him, like off camera, because I used to live near him. He was involved with with football, oh, wow. and um, yeah, really, as, as part of my police career, he was in our area where the Australia mm-hmm. Zoo was or is. And um, yeah, we used to have a lot to do with him, and it was it was tragic when we heard, but he was. I think part of his success is he was so genuine like what you saw is what you got like it wasn't an act on camera or for the TV shows or anything he was as full on in real life as he was in front of that camera hmm. interesting well yeah. let's
0: jump let's jump in so I I'm uh find it intriguing but you used to be a homicide detective I did right I'm actually I do the police reserves so yeah a lot I love it I would do it full-time if they would pay me what I make doing marketing but obviously we both know that that would never happen so no. uh, well, your mind tell us, was tell us about that and tell us how you transitioned from being a homicide detective into digital marketing like how does that transpire even
1: yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you say it like that but basically I left high school uh, or finished high school which is it's called grade 12 here which is I don't know what it is. Whatever the last year of high school is in the states. I finished high school. Wow. Yeah, wanted to join the the police. Um, they told me couldn't. You had to go. You, have, you had to go and do a diploma. So that's not university. That's sort of like community college, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. Did that for eighteen months. Then, as a nineteen year old, joined the police. Mm-hmm. Um, was was really really good at it, and I developed some what I you know what I see as exceptional skills. I had this innate ability to get people to do what I wanted them to do, uh, but make them think it was their idea, uh, yep. which was super helpful as a detective. I'm not a, I'm not this big intimidating guy that used to, you know, you know, bully people into what I wanted them to do, or had this um, presence about me. I just could talk to people, and I was really good at talking to people. Um, what I didn't realise at the time is, is that's sort of the same skills as being a marketer. Um, one of the other skills that I developed really well, especially as a homicide detective, um, I got promoted really quickly. I was a detective sergeant by the age of uh, 33, which is really young. Um, so, a lot of responsibility. Um, I had this really good ability to find people who didn't want to be found. There was no, there was no. You know, good outcome for them when I found them, you know, and they didn't want me to find them. So, you know, you develop a lot of skills and a lot of different ways to talk to people, to know what people's behavior is, to think two steps ahead of them, to predict what their behavior is going to be. And again, at the time, that was just police work. That was being an investigator to me. I didn't know that, that was being what marketers did, I didn't know that's what good marketers did. Uh, unfortunately for me um, the final case i've worked on uh, i worked on for four years straight it was a, a case um, of a missing boy and it took us four it took us actually seven years to solve it but i worked for to- four years on it full time and unfortunately um, we did solve it um, it was a homicide and it was a, it was a terrible terrible situation and it an, Whilst we had an outcome that was good, it was, it was, it was a horrible situation that I lived for, for every day for four years. And um, after we got that bloke convicted, um, they tried to transition me back into regular police work, like being a normal detective work. Um, you know, in, in, I just couldn't do it, though. I, um, it broke me. So, unfortunately, I got um, uh, the on, you know, assessed by doctors and psychs, and they met, decided to medically retire me from the from the police, which was which was heartbreaking because um, you know we we're always taught that we have to be the strong ones, you know, going through our careers, and and I felt like I'd let everyone down, and then I was in a position of weakness, um, and then I know I know that now, and that's why I can talk about. I
0: right,
1: start with. Um, but it broke me and um, I've spent a lot of time off work, they wouldn't let me go back to work um, so I spent a lot of time off work and what I found at that time is this um, you know, platform came out called, uh, I started up a fitness blog. one of the doctors suggested to me that I should get involved in being active, and being fit, it's good for my mental health, it's good for me personally still achieve things, still feel like I'm doing stuff, uh, then that into a fitness blog where I was like, okay, well I can, you know, I want to continue to help people, which is what I did as a police officer. So I started helping people that way. Um, started generating a lot of interest, a lot of traffic from that, and um, then ran across a bloke called Don Wilson, um, who a lot of people in this community probably know. He actually owns GearBubble now, um, and he, he showed me how to monetize my blog through Teespring, which was a everyone probably should know about Teespring. It was yeah, you know, print on first print on demand platform, basically, mm-hmm. was mainstream. From there, I learned Facebook ads, and I just found Facebook ads easy. Like it was, I just had this knack to find people, and this is coming back from my skills as an investigator, as a detective, is that I was now trying to find people that they not only wanted to be found, they would tell you everything about themselves, you know, everything from what they had to eat for dinner to all the, how many kids they had, what they names were, what their favourite sports team was, what their job was, you know, where they went to high school, everything. And it was just this whole treasure trove of information about people. And I just thought, well, I can not only sell shirts to my fitness blog, I can sell shirts to nurses, I can sell shirts to people who like scuba diving. So I've, I've developed this broad range of niches that I would market to, and these people were happy when I found them. They Actually, there was a product there that they wanted and they bought it, and Mm -hmm. that became very successful to the point where I was training people um, within the Teespring community, got flown around the world, and that's how I started to um, meet quite a few people. Um, Hmm. About three to three and a half years ago, I saw the writing on the wall that the game was changing. Um, Facebook was moving away from this direct response marketing. Um, the you know f- um, drop shipping had become a big craze. Basically when we operated on third party platforms, we had never had um, we never had our back end. We never had ran support, we never ran, you know we never had our customer lists, um, we had no control about upselling, downselling you know, cross-selling. So basically, it was direct response marketing. It's here is a shirt or a hoodie. Do you want it? Yes or no. See you later. Mm-hmm. And we to the next customer. So it's just flipping cash, and that cycle started to get really tiring because what happens when you want to have a holiday or want to have a break? You can't. If you're not there monitoring those ads every day, then you you kind of you kind of stop right. money coming in, and you couldn't just let these ads run because. That just wasn't the nature of the way the Facebook Ads platform was built or the way that we were selling on Facebook at the time. So we moved towards uh, building brands out and Shopify had taken off and or had launched. Um, it was still in its infancy and it was still pretty clunky, but it was the best option that we had. As I wasn't a developer. I had no tech background at all. I was a copper. I was a police officer. So to have a platform that allowed us to build out brands, we tried to a couple of brands then... We're doing the drop shipping, but I, and I'm not I'm not criticising drop shipping and I'm not here to, you know, hang shit on people because they drop ship because if that was what works for you, that's what works for you. And you're obviously fulfilling a need for people. But I didn't enjoy getting the cheap products from China, marking them up and then selling them and then people getting that little yellow envelope with all the Chinese writing on it. And, the, you know, it was this cheap, inferior product. I felt ethically it didn't sit well with me. I felt like a bit of uh, so I thought, well, the thing we're good at is POD through the shirts. Why don't we see what other products we can build a brand around with POD? So in December 2016, I uh, came across a company called Printful who um, uh, had bought out leggings, release leggings on, as a print-on-demand product. So mm-hmm. we went all the niches that we had um, uh, in the T-shirt game and bought all those niches into what what is now called Gear Bunch with leggings and it just it took off. And 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 and, and we've continued that ride since. So we're about to it's about to turn three next month. So it's um, been a very steep learning curve um, given that we'd never run um, you know any back end before. It was all front-end direct response, and there's been a massive shift in that time from you know direct response marketing to brand building and, you know, that's where I love to help people now is by showing them how to build brands, showing them that it's. whilst I still love Facebook ads and I still do the Facebook ads for GearBunch and Facebook ads for for clients as well, it's not the be-all and end-all and especially given the current client with all these accounts getting shut down, it's really highlighted to a lot of people that you need to diversify, which is why we're big on, our email marketing, our SMS marketing, our Messenger, our, you know, Google Ads, and we even run on, on, on Critio, some other third-party platforms as well. So, you know, it's about good content, looking after your customers, increasing those repeat customer rates, increasing that lifetime value, increasing that average order value, because it's so much easier to convert an existing customer several times over than it is to try and acquire a new, one, especially in the current climate.
0: Yep, 100%. So... You have your Gear Bunch brand, and I think some of the articles I was reading, you know, you, I don't know how old they are, or you, you cracked the five million mark pretty quickly. Yep. The other big thing with that, and we'll get to the agency side, is you have like an official, and I know nothing about this, so a ton of questions in, in relation to this. You have, which Tim was saying is a pretty big deal, an official licensing deal with Marvel.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, so- how,
0: how many people have something like that, and how do you? How do you even go about obtaining something like that?
1: So, again, this is – I have no experience in this industry. I've never done any licensing, never done any consumer licensing, never worked in the industry. Um, It's going to sound ridiculous, but I just dug around online, found an email that I thought might get a response from them and wrote to them and started a dialogue that took about 12 months and we end up with a licensing agreement with Marvel, which with Disney, but you know, predominantly with the with the Marvel with the Marvel products. Um, and you you know you can go onto our website now and see them. Um, so you know they're they're there. Does
0: um, I mean, does it sell pretty good? I mean, I see on here like you know an Iron Man women's swimsuit. People buy that?
1: Like, yeah, the leggings do sell better than the swimsuits. Um probably the, you know, the things that, you know, when I'm, that, this was another big business lesson for me was I was very good at negotiating and getting the the Marvel deal across the line, um, you know, some lessons learnt in there about when you deal. You know, we're a very small fish in a big ocean there. So, um, you know, we're moving on to other licensing agreements as well. But you know we've got to be mindful of you know some 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 problems that we hit with um, with that agreement with Marvel. So you know, not not um, not to say that it hasn't been successful because it has. It just could have been more successful than, than than what it currently is, and we're still working on that, trying to improve that. But dealing with big companies, they're not and with steeped in history. You know, well before the online. You know, marketing age. There, mm-hmm. a lot of their practices are still still predate the internet about how they do things, and it's um, you know, which you wouldn't think, given you know how the, the, the popularity of the Avengers movies and things along those lines. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a very slow process with them.
0: Uh, oh, what do the, what do they get? Just a portion of the sales then?
1: So it's it's a royalty agreement. Um, yeah. So I can't go into what the actual royalty agreement no, is. No, for sure. That That's how it works So, you know, it's um, Yeah, it, it is what it is and, and, that, and that's the way it works And, you know, it's been a pretty good time In terms of that because we've had a lot of those Avengers movies Be released, like Endgame And, um, you know, the other What's the name of the other big one that came out um, Oh, geez, came out last No, last year Anyhow, massive, Again, massive
0: They have so, movie. so many movies
1: no, but they, they just had this glut of movies come out at the at the right time for us, which is why when we looked at it, we thought Marvel would be the way to go because of the Avengers.
0: Sure, yeah. No, I like it. It's, I'm not a big Marvel fan, but I – Maxwell Finn I know is a huge Marvel fan. He'd probably yeah. wear that suit.
1: He'd probably wear the bait. I'd love to see yeah, him. Yeah, you,
0: you, should, you should send him one. I should. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be epic. Maxwell, well, you were uh, – what was it? Iron Man bathing suit, women's bathing suit. That'd be funny. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, well, number one, thank you for your service. Um, that's awesome. The one, the one thing that I've always realized working with law enforcement, you know what? I don't do it full time. I do it probably about two rides a month and fully certified and all that is law enforcement, especially detectives, have a way, like you said, of really speaking and wording things to get people to do what they want. Like you fully can can control the situation and you could take it from A to Z as quick as you want. And, or you can deescalate it as quick as you want. So, um, I'm sure that's. I
1: was was talking to someone about that the other day and that. You know, you develop this great communication which translates really well to, to online. I know it seems like there's not a connection there, but it does and it's, it really works, you know. And we see on TV and in movies, you know, like, you know, police wrestling and fighting people. You see cops and baddies running away and all this sort of stuff. And and, and, and people genuinely think that that's what, what it's like and what it is. But I, for the last 10 years of my service, for the, for the, the last 10 years that I actually was a detective... I didn't have to put my hands on a single person and and I was dealing with the worst of the worst. And that was because of communication and it's not very sexy and it doesn't make good movies, but it's the reality. If you yep. can talk to people, then, you know, yeah, that's half the battle and you get to go home each day and not have to worry about anything. Yeah. And it, and it really
0: depends, you know, like it, you can, you can, you can, you know like you'll see i've been i've you know i've ride with different officers all the time or whatever because we always pair and some officers if they piss piss you if the guy that you're talking to pisses you off you're going to ding them as hard and quick as you can And that could be them turning around walking away from you and you say they're you know they're whatever yeah i mean you could resisting arrest could be as something as simple versus you know throwing a fist at you and you exactly. and they have the power to manipulate it as, as 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 much and quickly as they want where a lot of some cops, you know, if you're respectful to them and you, you know, they can, they give you a lot of leeway as, as, as well. So I always tell my kids if a cop, which they're not old enough, but my son, you know, I've started telling them if a cop tells you to do something, just do it. And then if it's something that's, you know, you don't agree with, then we'll worry about it later and we'll deal with it later. But, you know, do what they tell you and then, you know, we'll, we'll uh, deal with it later. That's kind of what I've always said. So.
1: And look, yeah, I mean, it- probably not to harp on it for too long, but, you know, police are a cross-section of our community as well, and there's some Mm -hmm. not great ones, and there's some really good ones. No different school teachers or firemen or, you know, people that work at the local grocery store. You know, there's dickheads in every industry. and Marketers, (laughs) Marketers, yeah, there's a few of them. You just got to (laughs) deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, let's
0: it's, let's jump into what you do from an agency. So let's talk about your brand first, then we'll get into your agency on what you guys do and what you handle. So with your brand stuff, and we got some questions that I want to get into. What traffic sure. sources? What traffic sources are you running for your brand? And then what traffic sources do you primarily run for your clients on the agency side?
1: Okay, so the traffic sources that are run for the brand. It's very holistic. Initially, when I started, it was just Facebook because that's what I knew, and we've continued mm-hmm. to grow in there. So now we're, you know, Facebook obviously Instagram's integrated in with that, so it's sort of a no-brainer that that hits it in there. Um, we've got, you know, the AdWords, the Display Network. Um, we run on another platform called Credio, which most people should know about. But do you it, have good Crite- success with Credio? Yeah, yeah, but it's um, the best success I find is bottom of funnel with it. So okay, zero I don't find that prospecting great, but as long as we're bringing in good pre-qualified leads onto our website, I find that bottom of the funnel there, it works well. It just sort of mops up what the display network doesn't hit. Um, we run on YouTube as well. Uh, Pinterest. Uh, we've just really started pushing heavily. Um, Amazon. You
0: guys do any Amazon?
1: Uh, we've got just organically on Amazon. I don't, push any paid traffic through that uh we're on amazon we're on etsy we're on Monello. um i don't even know if that's how you guys pronounce it over there but whatever yeah it's so yeah it look it's just it's about having as many touch points as we can with people um Mm Big one for us at the moment is um, email marketing, and um, huge wins we've been having. We've been running for the last twelve months, and some of the bigger players are starting to catch on to it now. Some of the bigger software is SMS and MMS marketing, um, and messenger marketing. I have huge, very in.
0: underutilized. I think both massively. I think
1: it's a big unknown for people, and you know, some guru might release a course on it, and everyone will exploit it. But yeah, we'll just until what? then.
0: What do you guys use for
1: SMS? SMS, I use Postscript. Okay. Uh, it integrates fantastically with Shopify and our um, support desk. We use gorgeous, so it integrates seamlessly with all of those. Um, but you know, the ability to be able to segment based on the data on the back end of Shopify with Postscript, uh, they've now got dynamic product uh, imagery that comes through on their organic cart sequences. Um, and the ability to reply to customers so we can have back and forth conversation with customers. Our support desk does with the way it integrates them with gorgeous. So, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer. It, it, we use it for, um, it, it, it contains all of our back-end um, flows. So all the, it, it replicates the plumbing that we have on Messenger and on SMS on, and on Google and Facebook ads in terms of retargeting and remarketing. Um, and we also push out campaigns very similar to the way that we do on broadcast on Messenger or campaigns on, on Klaviyo. Hmm.
0: And does that, is it the flow building, is it very similar with as far as, does it automatically tie into Shopify and, and where you could just go and set up a flow and say anyone that sends an ad to cart four hours yeah. later, send them a text?
1: Exactly. It's, it's not easy, to set up, but once you know what you're doing, it, it it it's a set and forget. So you get it in there. It's it does it does fire on it does segment people based on events on the back end of Shopify, and um you know it then has timings and that messages that go out. So and we try not to overlap them identically mm. to Messenger and our emails, but they're very similar timeframes. So they don't want exactly 45 minutes after someone abandoned their cart, they get hammered with an sms a message and um you know an email all at the same time i want them to i want to hit them on all the mediums but i want to just space them out you know usually within that one hour period so that you know it's um i joke that we we stalk the shit out of people if they don't uh, buy from us so i will follow them everywhere for sure
0: and that's mainly what you do on the mar- the agency side is you mainly handle SMS, email, and messenger, basically.
1: Yeah, the big focus is, um, well, we do quite a few things. Um, the big focus for us at the moment is, is email marketing. Um, we just, you know, given, like I said, the current climate with people's Facebook pages or accounts being, shut down, Then they're not building, they're not, they don't own the assets, they're building on in someone else's backyard and that person can kick them out of that backyard at any time and sometimes without reason and sometimes unfairly. So if you mm-hmm. just rely on, you know, playing in someone else's backyard, don't complain when they change their mind or they change the goalposts. Like you, you, you understand that going in. And so we take clients and, you know, at a bare minimum, we add 10% to their bottom line, you know, in gross sales from email marketing. Um, you know, our best clients operating at around 40% of their revenue, gross revenue coming from our email marketing, you know, and that's that, That's a highly complicated system that we set up and that we run. It's not, um, it's not a case of just having a couple of the pre-formatted flows out of Klaviyo, which is what we recommend using. Um, it, it's, it, there's a whole lot of strategy in there to get it to, mm-hmm. you know, not just to send emails out but to be able to, you know, be seen as, you know, an authority email when it hits, you know, Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, so it doesn't end up in the spam or the trash or the, you know, we we want we, we really push it out so that people, you know, they do open it and it, it is of value to people. Um, SMS is the same. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we set that up for clients. um we do have, um, you know, we do run Facebook ads for, for people, but they need to be a good fit. It's, um,
0: you know, as you know,
1: Facebook ads sometimes feels like day trading. As much as Facebook would like to let you believe that you can put a $5,000 ad set in there with multiple ad sets and multiple ads and just let it run and the algorithm will make you money, that's not the case. <laughs> but I no. would, would love that to happen because I would I would do that and set up You know a 100 different brands but the reality is it's more day trading and it does have a lot of ebbs and flows and you know you've got to be a good fit with the client because some clients are too emotional they panic they have one or two bad days and they feel like the 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 world's caving in on them and so you need a more we need a more relaxed client someone who understands there's going to be ebbs and flows someone that understands the dynamics of it Mm -hmm. and uh, you no, know, we'll work with them then. But the email marketing, we get massive wins for people. Same with SMS and MMS marketing.
0: So one thing I was on a I was on a call with yesterday uh, to be, sh- and I'm going to probably butcher his name, but Bihmani. <laughs> it's Canadian, I think. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we okay. were talking. We were talking yesterday about DKIM keys and DMARC. Um, Talk to us about that. Do you guys set that up for Clavio and how important is that? And kind of maybe explain if you know what it is. Maybe you're not doing it, but what what it is and how it ties into
1: email marketing. Yeah, it's not something that we do within our email marketing. So, you don't. okay, um, no, no. So we um, we have a whole system, a whole process that we go through where we validate the emails that we have, and that we go through a whole warm up process with them to ensure that. Um, you know, we get the best deliverability and the best open rates and click rates for people. So, cool. Yeah,
0: I'll
1: have to look into that and see what see what, what there is. There yeah, actually,
0: and I didn't even really know about it, but uh, I should do a live with him. Actually, I'm probably going to schedule one with him. But essentially, like people can spoof your emails, um, so you can actually say like, obviously, you set up Postmaster with Google, and then you set up, uh, you know, uh, your you add a bunch of txt records to your uh, domains and stuff and then google will basically anyone that cuz i i can go send emails right now from anyone's email and spoof them pretty much very easily but you can actually have that if somebody does that that, that can actually hurt your domain deliverability from the sounds of what he was telling me and it actually you can set like a thing in your txt where it'll actually quarantine those emails and not let them through into the inbox and then yeah. they'll actually and then they'll actually send you like a a spreadsheet like the like Gmail will send you a spreadsheet of the deliverability, how many got into the inbox, how many went to spam, how many didn't. It actually looks pretty sweet. I'm actually going to set it up tonight for a couple yeah. of the clients that we have. But I, yeah. I've never messed with it either. It seems like it's a little more of an advanced uh, email strategy um, for sure.
1: Yeah, I just wonder if um – using the clavio the domain whether we, we do still na- still need that using SendGrid. you do
0: and they actually have there's an article and I'll send it to you in messenger yeah that'd uh, be
1: great they, they,
0: they tell you actually how to set it up so I was yeah. surprised because you know I've met with Clavio reps we have Clavio reps I've been to Clavio Boston um and they don't they don't really talk about it at all you know no
1: and that's the thing is that we've been nailing this for the last couple of years and if we can do even better great like that that's mm-hmm. the beauty of the industry is that you're always learning you always learn new stuff and always just got to keep evolving so yep.
0: yeah no I'll, I'll
1: definitely be digging into that so i just yeah.
0: dropped to the clavier setting up a dedicated sending domain we just dropped it to
1: you Cool. Uh,
0: cool. uh, Yeah, so let's get into. We have some questions. People had some questions about some stuff. Want to hit some of these questions? Let me pull them up. Um, One question I have: So, what is the population in Australia? It's about twenty-four million. So, kind of, it's kind of small in terms of, like, versus the US or other countries. So, so small. So, how do you? What is a way? uh to expand outside of the australia very easily like one example is the one client that we have there is like a city's a furniture brand how do you expand something like that and take it to the next level expanding outside of that reach of australia
1: personally or if we had a client that was based in australia either either way if
0: it was your business if you had a client like where do you start you're running facebook you're running you're running google you're kind of running all the basic channels, you're doing email, you know, you're pulling in 20, 25% of revenue. Um, How do you take that to the next level and kind of grow your usership base?
1: You just got to, well, initially you've got to develop, you know, the correct shipping channels. You know, you've got to be able to get, ensure that if you're going to push out into these new geographical areas, that you've got the right setup in terms of distribution. So that's what we've Mm -hmm. got with um, GearBunch. You know, we use distributors from, the US, Mexico, Europe and Asia, um, you know, and they it, it triggers where we want the, you know, depending on where the client is is where the product will be produced mm. and sent. Um, you know, so it's about developing distribution channels that, you know, don't impact greatly on, you know, delivery times and, you know, in terms of having the correct tracking and, you know, from there, once you can establish those delivery channels and you've got okay. With shipping um, you, you can you, the world's the world's yours I mean there's no limitations then so um, you know a lot of the clients that we've had in Australia have, have been very reluctant to move outside of Australia but we've mm. seen big for them in um, the US so whilst the shipping is slightly more expensive and it takes a little bit longer to get there the offset to that is that um, our Australian dollar is so converts so low at the moment that they sell in Australian dollars. So these products, when they're advertised over there in the US, when they realise that, you know, it's actually super great value for money, they're they're very happy to wait that extra period of time to get the delivery if it's coming out of Australia. Conversely, Mm -hmm. you know, very um, happy to pay that little bit of extra shipping because the the product is a hell of a lot cheaper.
0: Right. That makes complete sense.
1: Yeah, but you just initially... um, you just got to make sure that you've got those distribution channels sorted mm-hmm. you know who who you're using you know negotiating rates negotiating negotiating delivery times the big thing as well is to make sure that or well, two big things make sure your tracking doesn't drop off when it hits the country where it's going so a lot of track a lot of tracking drops off when it hits the country of origin depending yeah. on who the carrier is so you need to make sure that that's covered off. The other thing is some of the countries that you're shipping into, which is why we have a distributor in Europe, this is as an example, is that when you, when you do send packages into those um, countries, there is an import tax because it's come from outside <laughs> of the European Union. Yeah. And some of those taxes are actually uh, the cost is almost equal, if not more, than the actual product that, that the customers ordered. It's, it, was, it was mind-blowing, which is why we then sourced a European distributor to be able to circumvent that, that issue um, so right. that
0: we could into Europe. Funny story for all the women. I bought my wife a pair of uh, Louis Vuittons. Like I don't know if you know what those are. They're like red singles. Soul. Yeah, the red sole ones, right? And they're like fifteen hundred dollars heels or whatever. And they had the plastic red soles, so I had to send them over to Europe to get leather soles put on there, so the red didn't scrape off. Wow, shit! I didn't know that they charged like this import fee or whatever. Sent it over and it was like five hundred bucks or something, just crazy to even get into the country. Like it was almost the cost of the shoes just to put a a half red sole on there. So yep. I learned I learned that that the hard way. But then yeah. I, just called it, I called Amix I called char- Amex and I charged it back and I said I didn't authorize this charge and they they refunded me. But it's kind of funny.
1: So- yeah, and and that was something that was something that we learned. And it's not with all the countries over there. There's there's just you know, some of them they have a very small. Uh, mm-hmm. the tax that comes into the country, and some that are exceptionally large. And um, you know, that was a that was a lesson learned. Lessons we learned um, trying to expand into Europe was that we had people just refusing to pick up the orders from the from the post office because they didn't want to pay the tax or yeah. insist refund the tax. So, you know, we had to quickly come up with a solution on how to resolve that problem. Hmm.
0: All right, let's jump in. There's some good questions here. First question is, how do you guys perform your creative testing?
1: Yeah, so what we do is we take our creative, we have an ongoing campaign with several assets in it. We just one ad in each and we run it for engagement and we target all past purchases. And the reason why we do that is we we genuinely just wanting to see what gets the most engagement for us. So we're creating these little mini advertorials, so it builds a lot of trust. Um, you do get sales out of it as well. Like you do get, you know, it's always a positive ROAS when we're pushing new creatives towards our our past purchases. Um, but what it does do, the probably the biggest thing is we develop, develop a lot of social proof on that on that particular ad, and also we get a lot of comments. You you know in the positive as well, you know, like I, I own these, I love them, I don't have this one but I've got this one, um, oh, I can't wait to get more, I own six pairs of these, you know, it, it, all these positive comments that are pushed up towards the top of the, the feed so that when we then do, we then pick out the best creatives over those based, based on, you know, social proof and, and the commentary that we've got on it, the interaction, the engagement that it got, sure. it's a fairly... Indicator because we're trying to go out and effectively find more people like that audience that we're putting that new creative in front of. So if it resonates with them, the common sense dictates that it will resonate with other like minded people that we're trying to find at top of funnel. So we will go and take that creative and then go put it at top of funnel. We don't use them all and we do test a lot of different creatives, um, whether it be ad copy. You know, imagery, videos, instant uh, experiences, uh, Insta stories, whatever it might be that we're pushing out there, we always test first on a hot audience, you know, in, just in terms to see what gets the most engagement. Which is what about, the, the nice what what about for
0: brands if they don't have purchasers and they're just starting out? How would you do it?
1: We, you just have to test a lot of creative, but we need to test them further back down the funnel. Mm-hmm. So, I do. We do run, um, you know, a lot of video view campaigns. Just and then, you know, we create segments out of them, you know, to see how many people we're getting that have watched seventy-five and ninety-five percent of those videos. We also, um, we still boost campaigns every day on our page as well. You know, so as they come in, we have a five-dollar budget that just rotates between the three posts that we put on um, Facebook. We still run, you know, uh, likes campaigns on our pages, all these ways to create these connection points with people. But fundamentally, we put that creative in front of these new audiences that might not have, you know, for, for clients that don't have um, many customers. And, and it's just a test, whether it be, you know, a video view campaign or a, an engagement campaign or a view content objective on a conversion. Mm-hmm. Got to bring them much further back down the funnel because it's too expensive too, when you go too far down the funnel, it, Facebook just charges too much to put that in front of the audience. So if we come a lot further back down the funnel in that initial testing phase, testing those creatives, we can get a lot more eyes on it and get a lot more data for us to make an assessment about what creative is actually working and what's not.
0: Hmm. Uh, let's see. Piggyback up that. What's your process for starting a new ad account? And maybe you don't start a lot of new ad accounts because you're not doing a lot of this, it sounds like for brands, so if it's not relevant. Uh, well, and then how-
1: the principle, like you've just gotta don't, don't try and sleep with a girl on the first day. Like, don't just start a new ad account and then try and, and sell stuff to people. We run everything for new clients from brand awareness campaigns, video views, engagement. We boost posts, we run page likes, we do all this thing, all these things because with the goal of with a new ad account is to create warm audiences. So, you know, the the, the literature tells us that we need about seven to ten touch points with someone to create trust. So we do it, we pre-qualify it by doing the research. We have our customer avatars. We push out these ads way, you know, right up towards that top of funnel. We're not looking for conversions. What we're looking at doing is trying to create these warm audiences in that middle of funnel stage, which is the next step. So you've got to get... People in liking your page, following you on Instagram, following all your socials. We want people that are watching videos, that are engaged in videos. We want people engaged with your page. We want people engaged with Instagram. We want, um, you know, people that have, you know, your top 5% of people that have spent time on your website. We want people that have viewed content. You know, these are all warmer audiences that we've created these touch points with. Um, We want your account to just go straight to purchase. like. There's not enough data for Facebook to effectively optimise your ads. And the reality is, is that if I saw a brand for the first time, unless it was an impulse buy, more than likely I wouldn't buy from them either. But if all of a sudden they start popping up and I see different, um, you know, different ads appearing in different mediums, I'd start to, you know, create this interest, a bit of trust, go to the website, see what they like, are they legit, look at some reviews, those sorts of things. Um The other thing to do, with a big thing to do with the new ad account is, you know, solve a problem for people, Um, you know, and and everyone's got a product that can solve a problem because, you know, whether that, you know, whether that person knows that they have a problem that needs solving or whether they don't, we can still present to them how our product solves this problem for them. And with no, you know, with no intention of trying to get them to purchase, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and it... It builds that trust with people, and what right. moves that middle of funnel, sit at that middle of funnel. Some of that middle of funnel is going to be for conversions. Again, we can look at taking a step back, depending on the price range of the product and the, you know, what the actual product is. But we look at that, you know, middle of funnel, trying to get some conversions there, whether that be ad to cart or purchase, and then we really look at monetizing the bottom of the funnel. You know, we look at all of our ads. Emails SMS messages. They're all set up on 28-day buying cycles. Mm -hmm. So you know if you start a new ad account it would not be until after You know a couple of weeks of of really pushing out with the strategy that would even look at moving to middle of funnel And then towards the end of the month, we'd look at moving to bottom of funnel Uh,
0: Yeah, completely I completely agree It's all about basically like you said warming it up moving people a lot of people and it's it's hard to educate clients about this but A lot of clients want to go straight to purchase and get purchases and they want to see an immediate ROAS, or they have unrealistic expectations, but it it always doesn't necessarily work that way. I mean, there's so many companies, advertising, advertising spend has grown so huge. So many more companies are spending so much more money that you're basically only can compete for so many people. So like what you said, it's all about building that trust, building that relationship with the customer, providing a good quality product, providing a good experience. Um, you know, and not just selling something just to sell them something.
1: Yeah, but coupled with that as well, and this is the other problem, and I don't know who asked the question, but you shouldn't just be looking at how do I start a new ad account either, like what do you do? Well, you you starting the new ad account, if you only think about that ad account, you're, you're selling yourself short. You need to build, you know, flip your funnel upside down and start from the bottom up. So build out your email sequences, build out your messages, retargeting sequences, mm-hmm. get display network stuff set up. They're going to have no one in it. You know, it's it, there's going to be no potential clients sitting in any of these audiences. But as soon as you start pouring money through the top of that funnel, if you don't have your bottom end set up, if you're trying to catch up and set up your bottom end, you know, three weeks after you start your top of funnel, mm-hmm. it's too late. A lot of them would have already slipped through the cracks. So, you know, even you know as you as you're warming up that account your back end should be built out and that's boring and it won't make you any money to start with but it will you will make a lot more money out of it once it's running
0: right right uh, do, 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 do. i like the reverse the reverse funnel yeah. I,
1: just tipping it on its head and yeah. a lot of clients that we take over they're like I want to send this campaign out or I want to run these ads. And I'm like, but you've got, you know, they'll come to us and they'll have no back end. They'll have no, no way to capture, you know, cell phone numbers, emails. You know, they don't even have a retargeting campaign set up on, on Facebook. And they're like, well, I want to a $1,000 through the top of funnel. And I'm like, well, you can, but I'm not going to recommend you do that. Like you're going right. to get some cars out of it, but there's so many you're going to miss as well.
0: Here's a good question, how, and this is exactly what you used to do, investigate, how would you investigate a dying business to see how it could be brought back to life?
1: Start at the bottom. So get into that back end and figure out what where, where that disconnect's been, you know, because there's enough information online to figure out how to run Facebook ads at a very simplistic level. But if your customer support, which is something that is vital to our business, if your customer support is shit, if you don't follow up on, um, you know, questions that customers have, if they post messages, if they send you emails, if they SMS you and you just ignore them, your business is going to die. Like nobody wants to deal with the cut. Everyone wants to feel like they can trust you and that they, you know, that they're part of something. They don't just want to be that person that bought one thing one time and, you know, you never speak to them again, which is what direct response marketing is to a degree. So then, you know, when you're these brands, you need, you run, an, I'd have to run an analysis initially. I'd be like, right, your Facebook ads are dying, your business is dying, but let's figure out why. Where is the disconnect? Why do you not have increasing average order values? Why is the lifetime value of your customer stayed the same for the last two years? Why is your repeat customer rate so low? You know, why, when you send an email out, does it get this really shitty open rate? You know, all these different factors, that when you look at them as an overall, it, it gives you a clear picture that, hey, yeah, you've probably been too interested on just converting top of funnel customers, and you're not looking after the customers that you have, or your shipping times are too slow. You know, like order a you're not holding the stock yourself, order a product yourself have a look, see how long it takes to get to you, see what the packaging looks like, what condition the product is when it gets to you. And if it looks shit and, it, you know, the product gets damaged or it takes too long, well, what sort of experience is that for your customer? Don't do it as yourself by your own email, though, because most of your distributors will know that and they'll give you the red carpet treatment. Go and get, you know, go and order it under a different name get it sent to a friend's address or something like that so they don't connect that it's, you know, you're the owner of the business testing the, the distribution channel and get something sent to you. You know, see what see what the experience is like, what t- actually turns up and how long it takes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Uh, let's see. Trying to scroll through these questions, find something good. Oh, I've the wrong sheet. No wonder I don't see them.
1: I've got one here. How do you go about building our customer service?
0: Yep, that one just came in.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, I'll, while you're looking for the other question, look, we use initially for the last two years, we used uh, Zendesk um, and we create a lot of macros in there, which it allows you to do. But um, you need someone in there every day. So... Initially, that was me when the business first sort of launched. Um, that became too much. So I had an a employed a VA that I found through Upwork. Um, we now have two VAs, and I also have someone within Australia here with me who's like a customer service manager that oversees, um, you know, if there's any transactional customer support tickets, you know, that involve refunds or discounts or things like that, stuff that I don't want to give those accounts access to to someone offshore that I don't know, mm-hmm. but basically... Invest in your customer service because we have so many times that we've managed to turn an unhappy customer into a repeat customer. You know, I only called one two days ago. Now, the reason that I called her was her address was incorrect. That she was um, that she put her order in um, that, that she put her order in for. She actually didn't put her street number in, and it got returned to our distributor. And we emailed her three, four times. She didn't, she didn't respond to the emails, we had a phone number, I just rang her up, she was in Illinois. I rang her up and she was shocked, to start with that I was probably that I was a guy, uh, that I had an Australian accent and then I was actually ringing her to say, hey, we've got your leggings and she said, you know, we want to get into." You. she goes, I just thought that I was never going to get them, I thought they were lost in the mail. I was like, no, they're not lost, we've got them, we just need to confirm your address. And once, you know, I ended up having a chat with them. She goes, this is the best customer service I've ever had. And then said it was maybe a three or four minute phone call. I'm not saying you do that for everyone, but do it. Well, you should. You should well, do that for everyone. could. Some customers don't need it. But if you've got a customer that's complaining, oh, I oh, yeah, I, this and it doesn't, you know, it's not exactly how it looks in the picture. We have this problem with, on GearBunch, we sell, we sell a lot of hoodies and we sell a lot of leggings. Now, some of them, the designs are the same. So people like to buy them as a matching pair. However, the the material is so different that the colours don't always come out exactly the same. So a red on a hoodie doesn't look exactly the same as the red on the leggings. It's close. And so if you get someone complaining, we sort of get them before it becomes a problem and they start, you know, flaming us on online or, you know, telling everyone how crap we are we'll ring them and we'll say, look, this is the reason. Like, it's not just some technical reason. It's like, feel the hoodie, you know, and you can feel it's so much thicker that the, the, the dye actually goes into it deeper. So it changes the shade of the colour. And I said, now, feel the leggings. You can see that it's a lot, they're a lot thinner than the hoodie and the colour turns out slightly different. And they're a different composition of the fabric. And um, when people, when, when you talk to them as a person and you explain to them why these things happen, they're a lot more understanding and they're a lot less, you know, not sitting behind their keyboard abusing you. And and this is something we really pride ourselves on. You know, it's actually, uh, aside from our designers, our customer support is our biggest team that sits behind our brand.
0: Mm, I believe. I was saying I, bleed. I blame D. Was yeah, fair call. Um. All right, I think there's a couple last questions and we'll call it good. I got to find it now because I closed out of it. I want to make sure we get to everybody's questions. All right, so Veronica wants to hear murder stories. (laughs) I don't think we want to talk about
1: that. (laughs) Uh, I'm worried. She said she loves them, but yeah
0: then uh, no <laughs> <laughs> okay Ezreal has a question about automation where to start with automation besides outsourcing i'm already doing that uh basically doesn't have enough hours in the day to prefer, prepare for holidays so what do you guys automate and what kind of software do you use to kind of take loads off of your uh employees
1: yeah so taking a load off employees a cu- a majority of our customer service is automated so that's that's the beauty of gorgeous is that um, it has AI in it that picks up keywords that people post in comments or emails mm-hmm. and uh, or messages and it um, fits in what it believes the best response to be. It doesn't send it to them, but it picks up what it believes the best macro to be. Huh. And all your staff have to do then is go in and read the read the query from the customer, which it could be like, how long does it take to ship to Mexico? And the macro, the AI picks up on that. It posts a macro about shipping times with a link to our website. Our customer service operator just looks at it and goes, yep, that's the question, that's the right answer. Clicks approve, message goes away, email, email comment, reply, message, whatever it might be, whatever medium, it goes away to them Um, you know the other things that we automate is um, the email sequences there's so many automated sequence flows in there that keep customers informed, not just like abandoned cart and you um, you know leads retargeting things along those lines but You know, once someone's on there, it's instead of trying to send them, you know, come up with a new email every day, once someone hits our list, depending on what actions they take, they'll they'll be in flows sometimes that are three months deep that are fully automated so that that person will go on this journey, which is fully automated and is hands off for us. Um, In terms of Facebook ads, that's a big one. I like to set up a lot of rules. Um, I see that a lot of people post about what rules they use they're all dependent on what your KPIs are for your business, but set up some very basic rules to start with. Um, I wouldn't recommend totally trying to automate your ad account with rules, but definitely the ones, you know, when you start spending more and you're asleep at night, you don't want to go to sleep and worry about whether something's going to be overspending or it's going to be blowing a lot of cash or not working. Mm-hmm. You know, worst case scenario, Shopify or your platform goes down and you're pushing, you know, thousands of dollars of traffic at something that's not there while you're asleep. So... Um, you know, having those rules there are, are really helpful. Um, what else do I automate? We automate a lot of messenger sequences. So we get people in taking quizzes and all sorts of different things within GearBunch, and then we have a huge automated follow-up sequence there with them. Um, I guess it depends on your industry as to how much you can and can't automate. So, um, yeah, if, they, if you've got any specific questions about how to automate certain processes, then, you know, you know short about a lot of it a lot of it still needs a human touch though you know you can't there's only so much automation can do for you you still need someone there either super overviewing what the automation is or um, you know physically talking to people
0: the, you and you find the gorgeous thing that you're talking about I've never used mm-hmm. it. Does, it, does it do a, it does a decent job with as far as matching conversation
1: yeah.
0: It does a great job.
1: It's great. And it integrates with Clavio, It integrates with PostScript. It integrates with so much. Um, there's so many different platforms like Shopify and Magento and WooCommerce, I think, as well. I don't use those, but, you know, from memory, when I was looking at the integrations, it's all there. But it even integrates with your, you know, it's a it's comment responder as well. So if people are commenting on your ads, it pulls those comments in, it pulls your messages in, it pulls your direct messages in from Instagram and it puts them all in one platform and then matches the, matches up the correct response with it. it. But it also allows you to have a lot of macros in there so that you're not, you know, you, you, they're not copying and pasting, they're not trying to, you know, you know, retype a new answer every time. A lot of the same questions come up all the time. Um, this is probably not automation, but, in turn it does help save us a lot of time is find out what your most common problems are or common questions that get asked and build yourself a shop assistant bot on your website. You know, have it there to answer the most common questions that come through your support desk and that will save a lot of time, you know, stuff about shipping times or returns or, um, you know, do you deliver to this particular place or what are your products made out of or... You know, all of these different things, these common questions that come up time and time and time again, create an automated shop assistant bot. Don't try and hide the fact that it's a bot, though. Like, just be real with people and say, hey, look, I'm, what did we call ours? It was some non-threatening female name. But it was basically, you know, like, I am the shop assist, automated shop assistant bot here to help you today. Do you have a question about this, this, this or this? And they'd click on one of them and it'd take it to an automated response. But, you know, it was like a five-stage or it is a five-stage uh, sequence that we found that majority of them were, you know, answered before they became a support ticket for our staff to answer. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. I have to check it out. The other,
1: the other thing to do as well is solve those common problems or common questions. Answer those common questions on your ads at top of funnel.
0: Yeah, most people know don't do that. For sure. No,
1: most people trying to sell shit all the time but solve these problems to start with. Like if you, you go onto my website, you'll get retargeted. I'll, I'll talk, you know, the ads will talk to you about the fact that it's, you know, our products are handmade to order and that we ship worldwide and, you know, they're never see-through and they are 100% squat proof. You know, these are the common questions we get asked all the time about our leggings. Answer them before they get asked. Yep. Yep. I like it. And it, it's not automating, so to speak. It's actually stopping the need for automation of, those, you know, the, the responses to those questions. Mm-hmm. People are still, I'm going to say stupid, and they will still ask the questions that you've answered to them several times.
0: They are stupid.
1: That's, that's just, that's, that's people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or clients, some.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, and I guess that's are they stupid or are we stupid for taking them on if they're problematic?
0: That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see if we have anything else. Anything that we didn't cover that you think we should cover? Do you feel like is uh
1: look the biggest the biggest thing the biggest thing I push with our clients is everything needs to be an event. Okay, if. You know, we've got our day-to-day trading, but if you're going to do something, if you want to increase sales, create an event around it, okay? Now, by creating an event, we can create excitement. We give people a reason why we're offering a discount. And you can offer events about apps. I'm looking up here on my board. I've got a board next to me that has all the events. We ran a promotion for International Marshmallow Day last Mm -hmm. month. Now, why did we do that? Because we wanted to run a promotion, so we looked through the, the calendar to see what particular day it is, so we themed our landing page about marshmallows, Our sales copy had, you know, talked about marshmallows and being toasty and, you know, all those sorts of things. And we, we, we based an event around this internet, and you can do it for – every industry has it. If it doesn't, you can find something to fit in. And But basically create events just – be a point of difference to everyone else. You know, everyone's going to do Black Friday, Cyber Monday and we'll do that, but we'll do other events as well in and around this time of year leading up to Christmas. And it's not always under the guise of you need to order something for Christmas as a present for someone or you need to spoil yourself for Christmas. People already know that they're going to buy someone something for Christmas and they already know that um, they might want to spoil themselves for Christmas. But if we create a bit of an event around it, a reason for having a sale or a promotion or an offer, Mm
0: -hmm. it's much
1: easier to write ad copy email copy it's much easier to design a landing page around it and it just doesn't come across as this business is running another sale yeah
0: completely agree can't agree more um yeah Um, let let me see i think that covers most of the questions and I re- I honestly really like your perspective. I mean, I think really love your perspective on branding and, like, just cost- – like, that's just – a lot of people just want sales, 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 and they don't consider all the other things that go with it, you know. And that's honestly why I haven't started my own brand. Um, it's just because there's so much more work that goes into it than you really realize.
1: Oh, 100%. But the advantage of having your own brand is it's – when we take on clients, we go to them with – you know, a concept or a strategy or a system that we've proved on our own brand first. So it's a very easy conversation to convince a client to try something new when we can show them the back end of our brand about how we set it up and how it's worked and how it's improved, not only sales, but it's rich, it's increased our conversion rate. It has um, reduced our customer support tickets or it led to X amount of new subscribers or people on our messenger list. So, you know, we can show them the positives. And there's plenty of shit that we try that doesn't work because we've got to keep innovating because everyone, we can't all be doing the same things. We'll try it. If it doesn't work, we'll cut it. But I don't, I don't need to go to a client and say, hey, you want to try this? Because I've already tested it and it didn't work. Um, yep. But when I go to them with a new idea, Um, you know, especially, you know, some of the strategies we have around even our messenger marketing, um, we go to them and say, hey, look, we've just done this and this is the result we've got. We want to try it on yours. And they're like, yep, do it because it's proof of concept. It's already there. They can already see it, you know, just being open and honest with them. and I just share a screen. I say, look, this is exactly what we set up. This is what we did. Mm -hmm. And that's what I... (laughs) <laughs> this, and, and, and I do get a lot of questions. I've had a few messages come through while we're on here. this call. Like, dude, why do you tell everyone what your brand is? Like now everyone's going to copy you. And I'm like, well, it's two parts. The first is all you see when you look at our website is the tip of the iceberg. You don't see the work that goes into the back end. So someone can go and replicate our designs, replicate our website, and they might do okay, but will they be around in another three years? I don't think so like not unless they replicate what we do on the back end the other thing is um i get sick of uh, and this isn't a criticism to people but i get sick of a lot of people telling you um you know how to do things based on on theory and instead of you know action. instead of action and we all tend to hide behind this this ip that we have and we don't want to expose ourselves and we don't want people copying us and things like that but well, you know, I just sort of wanted to be that point of difference where I'm like, you know what, this is what I do, and this is my advice because this worked for me on my brand. If you choose to follow it, follow it. If you, if you don't, don't. I'm just, or well, I could never be criticised then that, you know, what I have the advice I gave someone was shit or it didn't work because all I have to say to them is that well it worked for me, mm-hmm. and here's, you know, ethically I feel very good about that. You know, same as when I consult with people or we run their email marketing or we run their SMS or whatever it is that we do with confidence, because the last thing I want to do is gouge a business owner that's, you know, just trying to make a living themselves, is say, well, here's our fee and here's a theory that I've got that this might work. And if it doesn't, I feel horrible. Like, I only want to help people and make, you know, make them successful. Right, You know, and, and the, the sales is a byproduct of all these things that I've talked about. I don't go to clients and say, we're going to increase your revenue by this much. We're going to improve your customer support. We're going to improve your email marketing. We're going to improve your, your, your bottom of funnel. We're going to improve this. and the, And the sales are a byproduct of that, and that will come in. But I never go to them with a the promise of saying, hey, look, i made this much on my brand by doing this. Let me do the same for you. It's like, no, this is how we grow our list. This is how we run this. This is how we do customer support. This is how we grow our messenger list. And it's all about um, constantly trying to evolve the business. And as I said, you know, it sets you up two ways. The first byproduct is you build a brand that makes sales. And the second byproduct is, is that you're building a business, which then can be sold if you choose to do so down the track. It's not just flipping cash week after week are
0: you are you doing so i'm looking at your facebook page right now you have a lot of pictures from basically people showing their product that they bought you must be using some yes. app or something to basically get that and then give them a discount
1: uh the app that i use for that is looks lxx yep. so it's a review based app uh, so we incentivize them to put that in um but i'll be honest with you if If you approach, like just even if you don't have looks, I like looks because it gives us the reviews with the rich snippets and stuff like that on the page and then on Google. Um, But even if you don't have that, if you just in your email marketing when you thank them for, you know, joining the family or the club or whatever it is that you want to call it on uh, your brand, you just make sure you tell them what the hashtag is that you want them to tag you with. Or tag us on, or you know, tag us in your photo on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever it might be, and we'll feature you on our on our accounts. Most people are happy to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, people aren't always after something for nothing. You know, sometimes they just genuinely they feel good about themselves. They look good in, or they they love the product that you've got, and they just want to share it with everyone. And we have just this huge library of of people, most of which we haven't paid to provide us with these images and shit tone. Yeah, and that's the other thing it was, uh, that I didn't mention before in terms of creatives is that, um, and this isn't my strategy, this is something that Jordan, um, I don't know how to pronounce his, his surname, um, is it Meinhard, Mi- Mi- Meinhard?
0: Jordan Menard. Menard,
1: that's it. So we take a lot of our user generator content and we post three times a day. We were always doing that, but we weren't using this strategy until Jordan suggested it. I'm pretty sure it was Jordan. If it's not, Jordan's getting the credit. Um, but basically we post three times a day. We then run a very small budget to boost those posts each day. Um, and it's $5 a day across those three. We then go back and look at them over the last few weeks to see what one's got the most engagement. We then go and change, those, change the copy in that so that, it, it has the links and it becomes more of a shoppable ad instead of just a post about someone wearing the gear mm-hmm. because what we know is that's resonated, that imagery and the wording, you know, that that person has used has or the, 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 the copy that we used has resonated really well with our audience. It's not something for sale. So it's, it's like a testing process. We then go and then push that into that incubation phase I was talking about and put it in front of all our past purchasers and see what engagement we can get there when it's, you know, it's there for an engagement purpose. And then we then move that to the top. We pick out the best of those and move them to the top of the funnel. So it's like proof of concept. So user-generated content. Um, somewhere the best ones we find are somewhere in between a fuzzy picture from a phone. And you know the total photo, sh- you know photo shoot. So mm-hmm. somewhere in that middle, which some some people are amazing, and I'm hopeless. I still can't even take a selfie. But if you get that that those ones in between the fuzzy photo and the photo, the you know professional photo shoot. Yep. And the real person, it they, they they do so well for us. You guys have a. I'm
0: surprised at how many you guys have. There's a lot on here.
1: And and this is part of the process, and this is what I tell clients as well, is that this isn't, you know, whatever work we do with you, you know, some clients we've had between nine and 12 months now. Um, But whatever work we do with you, whether that's for a short time or a long time, it's not just what you're going to achieve now. It's this this compounding effect. So Mm -hmm. by doing the things that we talk to people about, you know, having this whole back end set up, how to push the, the creatives through the right way, how to nurture customers, how to increase your repeat customer rate, your average order value, your lifetime value for customer. These sorts of things keep compounding on themselves because whilst you, every every day you're adding new customers into your system, into your ecosystem, first-time customers, they then in turn then get caught up in that back end and that follow-up and that, that nurturing that you do that, every day those new customers potentially can become repeat customers for you and you have this increased lifetime value. So the longer you're in business and, you know, the sooner you implement these strategies, the more benefit there's going to be for you long-term because it compounds on itself. Mm -hmm. You know, you might start with 10 customers and you add two customers every day when you first start up. But can you imagine if you've got, like, we have a 50% repeat customer rate and every day we add new customers into that? That fifty percent stays the same, but the the pool of customers that that fifty percent is coming from grows every day.
0: Yep. Yeah, I I agree with everything you're saying, man. It's just
1: yeah. it's I just don't think it's taught enough. I just don't think it's spoken about enough.
0: It's not, and most people can't grasp the concept. You know, especially when you start talking to clients, it's it's very hard. I, I you know, and that's why to me, like what you were saying about giving your brand name away i mean let somebody try and come and steal it and try to it's a lot of it's a lot of work I and mean, when you got to source the product you got to get quality product you got to set up all of your shipping internationally it's not just oh I, I mean go go mimic what nordstrom's does or go you know go. there's all kinds of brands out there that you know that do a ton of money it's not as simple as just getting the story url and you found a gold mine unless it's like yeah. a really really niche very specific niche product that's yeah. not out there but I mean, how many, you know, your Some conversation industry. is Lululemon, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, look, it's, I guess, and, and this is probably the, the frustration in the industry is that I've been doing this now since about part time since t- 2011. Yep. Um, but, and I have seen that the, the industry evolve. But what I do see that it is an absolute point of frustration is that. I guarantee any group that I open or that I interact in every day there'll be a question about how do I scale these ads? What optimization should I do? Um, you know why is this ad not doing well? Why is my ROAS dropping? And there's all of these questions, and and I know why they're asking them. It's because they're solely relying on that, you know. And when that fails, their business is failing. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be get all intricate about your um, you know, your bidding strategy and you, what you're optimising for and all these different rules that you need to set up. It should be about, well, what are you doing once you've got them on your website? You know, what what's going on there? Is it optimised correctly for conversions? Are you nurturing them once they do become a customer? Are you doing everything you can to convert those prospects into customers?
0: You know, like,
1: until you've got that sorted out, the, the question shouldn't be the intricacies of manual bidding or, um you know, what specific rules or, 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 or um, landmarks we should be trying to achieve with our Facebook ads. It, you know, it it should be, what are you doing on your are backing to <laughs> convert those customers that didn't convert at the front on the top of funnel on your Facebook ads that are tanking? What are you doing now to make sure that they do convert? Yep.
0: I have one client that's, uh, I'm not, not going to say his name where he's from, I love him to death, uh, bend over backwards, trying to get him success, but he dropships. ships. He dropships. He does very well. He's doing, you know, multiple six figures. Um, and you know, like for Google, I'm like, hey, well, let's, you know, let's, um, you know, he sources from his competitors, basically. I'm like, hey, let's, let's like tie in your reviews into Google Shopping. Well, are they going to see my reviews? Yeah. Oh, we can't do that. Why not? Because they might leave me a bad review. Well, then you're 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 leaving a bad, you know, you're leaving a shitty product, and don't, you know, if. Sure. <laughs> you know, we got to be able to show your reviews if you want to get better visibility and better customers and like long term. You know, don't and I just kind of then and then Aroas is dropping. Well, look at all this other stuff. You know, it just all goes hand in hand. So,
1: hundred percent. If you can't, you know, when and, and Facebook is going to fail you, like hundred percent. No matter how good you are, from time to time, it's going to fail. It's not this endless gold mine that it, yep. it was you know probably four or five years ago i, w- I wouldn't have said that but but right now it's, it's going to have ebbs and flows there's lots of competition there's lots of rules and regulations they confuse you with so many different products available within the platform yep that if you don't it, it, you know stop trying to focus on just sales with facebook ads and look at trying to acquire people mm-hmm. even if they're potential customers and convert them once you have them. Yep. You know, you look at Facebook as pushing people through the front door of the store. And then you've got all these other systems once they're in the store, about how you can convert them into customers.
0: Well, man, my wife's going to divorce me because it's been an hour and a half and I didn't realize it's been that long already. It's gone by. Yeah.
1: And I like to talk. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I mean, it's good talk and it's a lot of talk that, you know, a lot of people don't have. So, and I, I think we hammered it home. So hopefully yeah. uh, a lot of people will listen to it. Um, sorry for the technical issues. Dan, if anyone has any questions with you to to reach out to you or looking for anything from you, what's the best way to get in contact with you?
1: Well, honestly, to start with, just either leave a, a comment here. Um, if you want to direct message me, that's cool. But just leave me a comment to say, hey, Dan, I just sent you a DM because... It, it, it does get missed a lot. I mean, you know what it's like. You get so many messages a day, but you know, I'll keep an eye on for a little bit, but yeah, it's um, yeah. Please, please just direct message me and I'll, I'll, I'll um, or, or ask me a question in the comments here. I'll do my best to get back to all of you.
0: Sounds good, man. I appreciate your time, brother. All right, mate. Thank you. All right, all right. Your time. you any questions, drop them below. And then Dan, I'm going to throw this in the gold group. So when I do that, I'll tag you uh, later this evening.
1: Yeah, cool. Awesome, mate.
0: All right. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you. Later, brother. See ya.